seven lines from the top of Vav Amidalev, and we continue to discuss the concept of tearing of markings of graves. So Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda states, if someone found a stone which was marked with Sid, with lime, which is the tearing that they used to use in those days in order to define and to mark where there was an actual dead body and there was Tumas Mace, so Tachtel Tame, right underneath that stone would be Tame. However, Shtayim, if you found two stones that were marked with Sid, so of course below those stones would would be Tameh. However, if there's lime also between those stones, then Beneim Tameh between the two stones would be Tameh, because we look at one as the headstone, and one as the footstone in between was also the grave. Then And if there is no lime between them, Beneim Tar, then between them would be Tar. However, underneath those stones, of course, would be Tameh. Now, although in Daphir and Beis, we said that the actual marking does not go in the exact spot of the Tumor, and over here we seem to be saying that the Tumor is going to be right beneath the actual actual marking. So Rashi explains there's a big difference. Over there we were talking about where there was flat earth and we're worried that if a person goes and marks that earth, then by the time a person gets to that area and they realize that there's a kev over there, they'll already be on top of that place, place with his tumor and the trumor that he's carrying will become Tameh or he himself will become Tameh and that way we said to make sure to move that marking a little bit away from the tumor so a person will have noticed before they get to that area. However, over here we're talking about a stone and therefore since the stone is above the ground and a person could already see that stone from far away therefore by the fact that you're going to mark it on top of the stone that will actually be a good marking and therefore anything that's below that stone is actually where the tumor will be and on this dinner of Rabbi Huda the Gemara states that seems to Rabbi Huda as long as you don't have any line markings between the two stones that's tar between them and even though you don't see that it was actually plowed over but we have a price that says if you found that one stone was marked then underneath that stone will be tameh as we stated before in Rabbi Huda but Shtayim, if you have two stones and both are marked, and therefore, of course, underneath those stones are going to be Tameh, as we stated before. Now the question is, do we look at the area between the two stones as that is a place where someone was buried, and therefore the two stones were actually markings for the headstone and for the footstone of where the person was buried? And the Mara said in the Brayso, If you see that the area was plowed between the two stones, then we could say that between them is going to be tar in love. The Brayso now tells us that if there is no evidence that there was any plowing that was done between the two stones, that even if there is no Sid over there, Beinei and Tameh, that between the two stones we would consider Tameh. So you see that even if there is no Sid, that we consider between the two stones as Tameh, as long as there's no evidence of Harisha. So Amr Papa, Papa states and he makes a difference between our Brice that we just brought and the dinner of Rabbi Huda that we brought before. That Hacha in the Brice, because Shasid Shafach Harishayim, it's talking about where the line was poured on the top of the two stones, Umarud Lakan And then we also see that there's a light coating of law on the bottom between the two stones and it looks like it spread and it dripped in that area. So, if you see that there was actually Kharisha between them, then we're going to say that between them is Tar. The aim will because we'll say that the reason why we see some lime in between, really originally they only put the lime on the top of the two stones and then the lime got on the bottom and it stuck to the bottom because while they were being Kharish and while they were plowing, the plow hit the stone and it peeled off some of the lime and then it went onto the ground and it stuck to the ground, but really it's not evidence that there's a body over there. Viloi, and if there was no evidence that there was any Harisha, then Sid the Baini Baini who Vitame. Then it must be that the reason why there is this light coating of Sid was because there was a dead body over here, and the Sid was placed here on purpose and Bekavana, and it's showing us that there is Tumor beneath this area and in between the two stones. However, when Rabbi Huda was speaking over there, he was talking about where there was specifically Sid only on the two stones, and there was no Sid at all and no evidence of Sid 
sin between the two stones. And then we said, of course it's tar because we don't see any evidence that someone puts sin here at all. And we continue with the Gemara. Um, Rabasi, Rabasi states, if we have a field where one of the boundaries, one of the borders of the field has markings, who tummy, the area underneath that boundary, underneath that border would be tummy. And Rashi Sabiat explains that over here also we're talking about that that area was built up and therefore you could see it from further away and that's why even underneath the marking itself would be Tomei but the rest of the field would be Tar and once again if two of the sides of the boundaries are marked then underneath those boundary markers they would be Tomei and once again the rest of the Sada would be Tar if you have three sides of the field which would be marked the border of those fields are marked with lime so underneath those border areas would be Tomei but the rest of the Sada would be Tar however if you have all four sides and all four borders of the field that are completely marked, hang tired that underneath those border areas would be tar, and the rest of the sada would be tummy. Now, it makes sense why the rest of the field would be tummy because it seems that all four sides are marked in order to show that everything else within this field would be tummy. However, why is it that underneath that border marking would be tar? Let's say that the tumma is actually right underneath that. So the Gemara now says the Amamar, because we learned. That since we said before that you're not supposed to keep the markings too far away from the tumor in order not to lose any space in our soul where we could plant and where we could grow things and we don't want to cause the whole earth soul to become tummy. Therefore, over here, where you see that there's four border markings, it must be that the tumor was within the border markings and not directly underneath it. This shot is based on Tyson that says, nice and Tom, that the Gemara is giving us a reason. Why is it that underneath the markers it would be tar? That's why the Gemara says, because we don't place a marking in the actual place of the Tumah. And it's true if you have it on one side or two or three sides of the field, we definitely say that anything that's underneath the marking is Tumah. Because definitely the Tumah will be in the spot of the Tzien. But when you have four markings, then we're going to be told the Tumah is in the entire field in between. And that's why underneath the actual markings would be Tar. And Rashi over here learns more differently. And he says, when we said Amamar, it's actually giving us a reason. Why is it that when you only marked one, two, or three sides, that the only area that is actually tummy is underneath the marking and not between the sod itself, Ayin and Rashi, but it's difficult to understand what Pshad and Rashi is. We continue with the Gemara, and the Gemara quotes from Mishnah, and the Shnucha Bezin also go out on Chalamay Pesach in order to check on Klaim and remove Klaim from people's fields. Now the Gemara is, do we say that Klaim, we start going out on Chalmoyin, the Chiv of going out for Klayim for the Shulchei Bezin was already on a Tesvav Ada as we see in the Mishnah and Shkolim. Very minimal. I'll ask you a question from the Mishnah and Shkolim. Be'echa ba'adam ha'shmiel ha'shkolim ba'al Klayim. On the first day of Ada, we call out and we remind people to bring the Shkolim and also to take care that there's no Klayim in that Sada. And be'chamish ha'sabay. And then on the 15th of Ada, Karnas ha'megillah be'krachim. First of all, we read the Megillah in the Krachim, which are Mukafas Chayim and Meis Shubidon, streets and the roads from thorns and dangerous obstacles and also to fix the streets and also to measure the mikvahs to make sure they have the proper shear and also to clean them out and we also do any and we mark the graves and we go out to remove klayim but we see from this Mishnah in Shkolem that the Shluchi Bezdin go out on Tezvav Adar and they don't go out and they don't wait until Chalamay Pesach and prior to getting to the Gemara's Territ let's just understand that Rashi and all the Rishayim the following question, why did the Gemara now wait and ask the question specifically on Klayim from the Mishnah Shkalim? We could have asked on the entire Mishnah.
Mishnah that in the Mishnah we said that even Mesaklus had drachim and a rechayvus, and also what we said over there that Mitzayin is first, and that seemed to be done on Chalamay Pesach. However, we see in this Mishnah that was undone on Tesvav Adar. So we had the same question on those items as well, and we waited in the Gemara until the word Vyaitan So Rashi says La Pechi, it's not a Kasha. The Bedinu the Mesaklus Trezimni that those things it makes sense that we have to fix it twice. The Chimesaklus Tesvav Adar, and even if you're going to fix them on Tesvav Adar, also Gesham Mekalklu that still rain will come and be Mekalklu further. And then you have to fix it again on Chalamoid. Since you ripped it out already on the 15th of Adar, why would they have to go out on Chalamoid again? And that's why we ask specifically and others explain because all the other things that we say in the Mishnah are just a Rishus. So they can go out on that time and therefore they went out on Tesvav Adar and they continued fixing it and were able to even fix it on Chalamoid Pesach if they didn't complete the chore at that point. However, when it says Tyson Nabei said that there's a chiv to go out for Klaim on Chalamayim. So why would it be that there's a chiv they should do it much earlier as we said it happens on Tesvav Ba'ada. So that's why the Gemara is specifically been to get Klaim. Number three, Tyson points out will be Shalmi Maksha Mitzayin first that the Shalmi actually asked this question then why does it say Mitzayin first Veloik Fait they already did it on Tesvav Ba'ada and Mitzayin and the Shalmi answers Kagoyim Shiyar Shetav Mayim Shal Gashom Bishatvay that another downpour came during the period between Tesvav Ba'ada and Chalamayim Pesach and ruined the markings, and therefore they had to remark the graves, similar to what Rashi says over here. Also, Tyson and Tesvav Kurnas and Megillah, having Matzlam Mislev be Yudalad Bay, they also should have said that on the 14th, they also read the Megillah, El Mishum Tesvav, Zman the Dvar Machim, Ukagoyim, Umasaksa Drachim. The reason why we speak only about the Megillah that's read on the 15th in the Krachim, Akav Chaim, and Maitre Shurbanon is because we're speaking about all the things that happened on the 15th of Adar, and therefore we add in. So the main reason that we're talking about Tesvav Adar is for other reasons, and then we throw in Tesvav Adar is also the time that we read the Megillah. However, Yudal, we're not talking about any other dinim, and therefore we don't throw in that we read the Megillah on Yudal Adar if it was a regular city. The Gemara now continues and answers our question. So what was our question? The question is that why did the Mishnah say that we go after Klayim on Chalamayin? L'chari, we already went out on Tesvav Adar. So Rebbe Lezer Rebbe Lezer Rebbe Lezer Rebbe Lezer Rebbe Lezer Rebbe Lezer Rebbe one says Kam Bebacher Kam Be'afel that it depends what type of crabs. On the 15th of Adar, Bezdin would send out the Shluchim to check for the earlier crabs and when our Mishnah stated that on Chalamay, they would send out their shluchim as well to check for Klaim, that was referring to the later crops. Chad Omar 1 explains Kam Bizram that on Tesvav Adda they would go out to check for grains, which were earlier, Kam Birakais, and then on Chalamay they would go out and check for vegetables, which were earlier. So instead of talking about one species and depending which crops were the earlier or later, we're talking about two different species. It depends if it was grains or if it was vegetables. And the Gemara continues, Omar Abasi, Omar Bechon, Abasi says the name of the only time we said the best in waste until Tesvav. Adar or until Chalamayid, El Sha'in Yitzhanika, that's only if the crops did not actually sprout yet and therefore it was not recognizable to so clearly to a regular person if it was actually Klaim or not. Avonitzhanika, but if let's say you had certain crops which were already sprouted and therefore it was already recognizable that it is Klaim over here, then right away Bezin would send people there to pull out those crops. The Gemara is, and why is there a Bezin way to Chalamayid specifically to go out, they could go out a few days earlier or a few days after and why are they going and causing people to do malacha on Chalamay specifically for Klaim? Um, Rabbi Yaakov, um, Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov says, name Rabbi Yaakov, Mishum Schapulo de Moisel Gabon, that they wanted to make sure to get cheaper prices from the laborers. And since on Chalamay, people are not allowed to work, and therefore people had time on their hands, so therefore Bezin was able to get them to work for a cheaper price because this was the only game in town. Rabbi Zvid said, and some say it was Rabbi Shasha, Shma Mina, from this we could understand, 
when we pay the wages to these workers and to the Shluch that go to pull out the Klayim, we pay it from the Chumas Alishka, we pay it from the funds from the base of Midgush, and therefore they have to worry about the pricing. These are Kadaitak Midduya bin Lu, if you're gonna say they actually can ask the people that they will pull out the crops from and they will find them and they will charge them for the actual workers, my Nafkalam and I why would Bezdin be so careful to make sure that it was cheapest price and cause people to have to work on Khalamaid? They should just give them whatever the going rate is and not worry so much about the price. So therefore it must be that the reason why they were concerned about the pricing was because it was coming from Hegdish. As Rashi says, As much as we could be careful with Mam and Hegdish, that's as much as we should be careful and make sure that we get the best prices for our laborers or for any work that's be done on behalf of Hegdish. And the Gemara continues, and Rashi explains, So how much is considered claim and therefore Bezdin has a to send out the shluchim in order to go and rip them out and be mevatalit. So Amr of Shmuel by Yitzchak, so Rav Shmuel by Yitzchak teaches us just like we learned. Kol saw sheyesh ba roiv zerim min acha yimayt that any saw that has a quarter of zera from another kind of min and therefore it is claim you have to go and be mevatalit and you have to rip it out. Now what does this shear mean and what is the proportion? Now since we know that there are six kav in a saw and therefore there are actually twenty four roiv hakav in a saw. So if you have one twenty fourth of a saw of Zrayim, of Klayim, you have to rip it out. Now, Lechari, we know that generally even one in two hundred of Klayim is an Issa. So we explained over here that this is going only on Klayim and Drabanan, and by Klayim and Drabanan, there's a din of one twenty-fourth. And Lechari, why is our Gemara talking about Klayim and Drabanan? So Lechari, Efshir, we could say that the reason is because people were definitely Machmer, and they were concerned about Klayim and Draisa, and they definitely wouldn't have to have the Shulchan Bezin go around to rip out anything which was Klayim and Draisa. For example, if you had a vineyard over there, people were careful, but if it was something which was climbed Rabbanon, people weren't careful, and that's why Bezim would be going out specifically on climbed Rabbanon, and that's why the share was 1 in 24. And we continue on that Vavon Beis, Vatanya, how do you say that they only ripped out 1 in 24, but we have a price that says, Hiskinu Shia Mafkin and Kala that they were Misakin, that we Mafkin and entire Sada, and not just one out of every 24. The Gemara says, Loi Kasha, Kan Kaitu Takana, Kan Laka Takana, that depends what period of time we're talking about, if it's before the Takana or after the Takana, as the price actually says, Hiskinu, there was some sort of a takana. Now, what is that takana? The Tanim, we learned to the Braisa. But Rishayna originally, that the Shlucha Bezim would come around, they would rip out all the things which were climb, and they would throw it in front of their behemoths of the Baalbatim. And the farmers were happy for two reasons. First of all, because the Shlucha Bezim were ripping out their weeds, and therefore they were weeding their sodas for them, and it caused the rest of the payers and the rest of the tour to grow even better. And the second reason was because they were throwing in front of their animals, and therefore it was giving them to eat, and that was also a benefit for the farmers. Heskino said, Bezna made a takana, Shiyu Oikrin, that the Shlucha Bezna should rip it out, or Mashlucha al would throw whatever was there that was Klaim onto the roads. And still the farmers were happy, Shemenachu said the same, because at least they were weeding their fields. Heskino, and then they made a final takana, Shemafkir and Kala said, that they were mafkir the entire Sada, and therefore there was a major loss to the farmers that anyone could come and take whatever they want from these Sadas, and not only the parts that were Klaim. And we continue with the new Mishnah. States that although we said in the previous Mishnah they only could go and water a base hashloch in an irrigated field, however, now is you could divert water that's extra water that's underneath and by the roots of one tree, and you can make a hole in order to go and make a canal from one tree to another that the other tree should also get water, even on Chalamoid. However, you can't go and water the entire field. Now, why is it they can water each of these trees? And Rashi says the Havi because trees also have the din like an irrigation.
irrigated field because they also need a lot of water. And the Psaid is if you don't water it, then it could be a hefsin. But the reason why you can't go and water the rest of the Sada, because the rest of the Sada is a regular Sada based about, it's not an irrigated field. It's a Sada that could last and survive even on rainwater. And that's why you can't go and water it on Chalamoid. And Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov continues, that if you had plants that you did not give to water before Yontiv, then you can't go and give them to a drink on Chalamoid itself. And Rashi explains, since you didn't give it to drink a lot before Yontiv, there won't be any hefsetet if you don't give it to drink on Chalamoid. However, it's clear from the Mishnah that if you would have even a stay base abal, a soda that does not need irrigation and generally would be surviving on rainwater, if you actually went and gave it a lot of water and you watered it many times prior to Yontiv, then there would be that you could actually water it on Chalamoid because if you don't continue to water it, there would be a hefsid and it would dry out. And the way we just learned the Mishnah is Pashup Shah the Mishnah that the entire Mishnah is talking about a Sada Beis Abal. However, others learn it that the first in Enechanami is talking about Ilanis and it's talking about a Stay Beis Abal. However, the second din is talking about a Sada Beis Ashlachin. And this din is going back to the original Mishnah and saying that even though we said by an irrigated field you could water it on Chalamoid, that's only if you also watered it prior to Yontem. But if you didn't water an irrigated field prior to Yontem, then you have no right to start watering it on Chalamoid. And that's one of the concepts we mentioned in Daktama to the Mesechta. The Mishnah ends off the Chalamatim Bezer and the Chalamata in both of these cases are Rabbanzabanyakit. First of all, the Mata, that you could go and water an entire field, even though it's a Sada Besabal. And the second thing they also said, even if it's Sada Besabal, you could go and water it, even if it was not watered before Mayan. And Rashi says, This is the Sheet of Rameya that we had on that Bezim and that Mashkin Rameya, I feel Sada Besabal, that he was the maker the most. And he said, You'll add a water, even a Sada Besabal, and even if it wasn't watered prior to Yantiv. And we're beginning of our Rabbi Rabbi states that the dinner that Rabbanzabanyakit said in the Mishnah was that you're not allowed to go and water the entire Sada, but in Haisa Sada Mutunanis Muta, that if originally this Sada was very moist and then it dried up, so the din is that you let it go and water it on Yantiv. As Rashi says, because the Kivan the Habilacha the Hashra, since it was moist until now, Elaine Mashkala, if you don't water it, Habib Say the Assyria will be a Hafsamaruba. Tainam Hakul into the price is similar, Kishamu Oslash Kaisumid, when we said you're not allowed to go and water a Sada Besabal on Khalmaid, like Amru al Bizraim Shlay Shasum of Maid. We only said it on plantings that were not drinking anything before the Maid. But if they were wet already before the Maid and you gave it a lot of water, you're allowed to go and continue watering it on Chalamoid. And then the price continues and says, that if the Sada was moist before Yontiv, then it's Mutta to continue watering it on Yontiv. However, you're not allowed to water a dry piece of land, which was a Sada Besabal, where it didn't have rain for a while, and even though you won't water it on Chalamoid, it won't get ruined, and therefore you can't do it on Chalamoid. The Chalamatim Bezer Bezer, and the Chalamata in both of these cases that we just mentioned, as Rashi says, Besod the Garib, first of all, in a dry land, they said they could go and water it, and even on plants that did not get any water before Yantiv, they allow you to water it on Yantiv. Again, these Chacham seem to be Rameya. Um, Ravina, Ravina says, Shema Mina, from the Chacham, we could say, Hai Tabitza, that this garden, you let us sprinkle it with a little bit of water in order to make the pears grow a little bit better, in order to eat them on Chalamoid, and you could sprinkle them with a little bit of water on Chalamoid itself. So the Lashem Tabute is to sprinkle and not a Lashem Hashka, it's not a Lashem to give it a lot of water, as Rashi says, Mashkin Haino Hashka Gemura, Shel Beis Hashlochen. And Ravina now continues and explains his Shita, Sadegar, my time of the Afro Mashvalachafra, what's the reason by a dried field that's a Sada Beis Abadra, but still allow you to water it because you're taking the older crops that are going to come out later and bring them earlier 
and making them come out earlier. Hachinami here also by vegetables, by sprinkling them with water, you're letting the later vegetables come out earlier. Tanur Abanam, we learned, my beets stay love and mishvias, you let it go and sprinkle a field of grain on Shemitah, and a field of grain is, of course, a sada base of that survives on rainwater. Abuloi b'moid, but you not do so on chalamoid. We have a price that says, my beets and baby mishvias, you let a water and sprinkle a field on Shemitah as well as on chalamoid. So, how does the price before say, you now do it on chalamoid, and this price say, you can do it on chalamoid? It says that it's us to do so on Chalamite. However, Rabbanon agree that you let us sprinkle a field on Shemitah and on Chalamite. Tani, we learned another bright summer. Beats and stay love and Ereshvias. Kadesh Yetzi Yerachim to Shvias. You let a water and sprinkle a stay love, and even though it's a stay hapal on Ereshmita, in order that vegetables should come out on Shemitah. Not only that, El Shamir Beats and stay love and Bishvias. You let a water and sprinkle a field on Shemitah. Kadesh Yetzi Yerachim to Matzai Shvias. In order that vegetables should come out on Matzai Shvita. Now, Rashi over here, right before the next Mishnah says, Kadesh Yetzi Bishvias, Avaliyashka Bishvias, but you now water this land on Shemitah, Kadesh Yetzi Bishvias, in order that the crops should actually be able to come out on Shemitah, that you now do, even according to this Gemara. But Taisis is still higher steer on Rashi because Rashi and the Mishnah seem to say that even though he said in the Mishnah that he only let a water based on Shlachin on Chalamoid, and it seemed that that was also then Bidigayah Shemitah, Rashi said over there that Bidigayah Shemitah, you actually could water a field even. Even when it's a start of Beisabal, Ayin Shem and Rashi, and therefore Taisus is a stira, and Ayin Taisus how he explains our Gemara. And Rashi and Xaviat says, So Rashi says that Ashka in Avedus Kaka Beshvias, Ashka is not one of Avedus of the Kaka on Shmiyat, and therefore it's Mutter, and you let it do it in order that Yerakas should come out of Matzah Shvias, the Kosh can Kadeshiyat Beshvias, and certainly if they're going to come out of Shmita and you're going to be able to eat them on Shmita, that would be fine. Now, of course, you'd have to keep them because Shmita, and you wouldn't be able to sell them and you wouldn't be able to do anything else that would not be allowed during Shemitah. And we continue with the next Mishnah. As we know, if someone has mice and moles in their field, it will cause a hefsin. So the Mishnah now says, a person could go and capture moles and mice from a sada of Ilanis as well as from a sada of Kedakai in its regular manner and you don't have to make a shinui and during Shemitah. And Taisis Gerus over here, Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Huda states, Mistei Ilan Kedakai if it's a sod of trees, it's a hefsim ruba because the mice get to the actual roots, and therefore you could do it in the proper way, in its regular fashion, and you don't need a shinoi, but if it's a sod of loving, and they're only rooting individual crops, then that's not such a great hefsim, and therefore you have to have a shinoi. There's another then you could fix a break in a wall on chalamoy, because this way animals can't get inside your sod. And on shmita, not only could do it to fix up a breach in the wall, but you could even build a brand new wall. And Rashi says you could build a brand new wall during Shemitah, even though it seems that you're building it in order to protect your field, you still could go and do this because you're not doing any Avodah in the Sada itself, and this was not Asr in any way, in any fashion. And the last Taisa Na'aman is that Lachayr Tema, my Kamashmul Meshvias, what's the Chiddush you're allowed to go trap these animals on Shemitah? There's no Avodah being done to the Kaka, and what should be the Is over here, and why would you even have a Hamina? Rabbi Huda, my time at Asa Kadakai, and even more so, why Rabbi Huda? Say which is the chacham that we had in the Mishnah that you can't do it in the proper way and you can't do it in a regular fashion. You have to make a shinui. Because you find issues that in order to go and trap these animals, they had to actually move stones and therefore it would look like you're doing some sort of work in your field and that's why the chiddush is that you allowed to do it. And others explain that when you're trapping animals, they used to make holes in the ground and therefore it would be nearer kaida. And we begin the Gemara. My issues. What is this animal called?
called the Ishus Amar Behuda, it's some sort of a creature that doesn't have any eyes and it can't see. And some explain it as a mole, some explain it as a weasel, and some explain it as a bat. Tyson actually says in the bottom of the Amr, the first Bishalmi, a cholda. And Amr Rav Bayishmal, Vitam Rav Yaman Bishalmi, my crow, where do we see this in the Pasuk? Kamisha, Lumachamis Yalach, Nafal Ishus, Balchazu Shemesh. So we see the Lushan of Ishus, which is referring to an animal, which is the Ishus that we spoke about in the Mishnah, and it can't see the sun, it's considered blind. Tanabana, we learned, it's not in the Ishus Vesachbar, Mistay Alam, Mistay Ilun Kedakai. This thing is exactly like Tanakama Mishnah. You let a capture and you let a trap this mole as well as a mouse from a state love and a state Elon, and you could do a Kedak, you don't have to do a Shinoi. And the Bryce continues and says, and you'll also let it destroy antols on Chalamoid. And how do you destroy these antols? states, maybe off of you take dirt from one of the antols, and Rashi in Xabiat says, and there are also ants together with that dirt. And then you place the dirt together with those ants in the other antol. And then because they don't recognize each other, therefore they'll fight with each other and they will kill each other. As we explained, this is the pshat that Rashi says in the Ksabiyad. However, Rashi on the side of Gemara says that it's not talking about that you move the ants necessarily from one ant hole to the other, but he actually took just the dirt from one ant hole and you put it in the other ant hole. And by the fact you change their environment, the actual dirt will choke the ants because they're not used to that type of dirt. And the Gemara continues and says, The only time that the dirt from one area or the ants from one area will kill the other ants is only because they're not used to each other and they're not making zazah. However, if they're on the same side of the river, so then they know each other and therefore it won't actually have any effect on them. The only time this is actually a problem and the only way this works in order to destroy the antol is only if you put, take from one antol on one side of the river and you place it to the other side of the river. And it's also where there was no bridge, and there was also no plague, which is a small type of bridge. And this only also works if there's not even a rope bridge, which generally was a very small and very narrow plank, and the only way they were able to walk across from one side to the other was to hold on to a rope on the top, which would then support them, and they were able to balance themselves to get across the river. And therefore, if you have any of these, then the ants could actually go across to the other side, and since they could get to the other side, they will be familiar either with the dirt from the other side, as Rashi says, or with the ants from the other side, as Rashi and Sabiyad says, and therefore it won't cause them to destroy each other. We continue on and once again, there are two ways to learn this Gemara. Rashi says that the question over here is how far do the two ant holes have to be that even if they're on two sides of the river and even if there are no bridges, that they still will actually be able to die and you'll be able to destroy them is only if they're a pass away from each other. But with Fizeh, if the actual ant holes would be less than a pass away from each other, even though there's actually water in between them and there's no way to get there, they would still have some shaykhs to that dirt and therefore the dirt would not have an effect on them and that environment would not cause them to die. However, Rashi and Xavyad actually learns exactly the opposite, that let's say you're actually on one side of a river and there's no river separating two antholes, if they're already a pass away from each other, which is already four mil away from each other, that's such a far distance. If you take the dirt and the ants from one anthole and you put it into another, they won't recognize each other and they won't have familiarity with each other and therefore they would come to kill each other, Ayin and Rashi and Xavyad. And Tyson actually bring down both of them, shot them in the top Tyson's and we will stop over here.